What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Long time no talk. Welcome to episode 30. Big 3-0. Episode 30 of The Will Ford Show. I am very excited. I am very excited. We've got a jam-packed episode this week. I know I'm a bit late. Uh, but better late than never. Uh, I've got a jam-packed episode. A lot of stuff hap- uh, has happened recently. And let's just jump right into sh- into the show. It's terrific to have you guys in on July 24th, late July 24th. Uh, it is uh, 10.45 as of right now. This episode will drop to you guys sometime tomorrow morning, hopefully. So let's jump right into the show. A little bit of in case you missed it. Uh, the World Cup Final. France defeated Croatia 4-2 as I predicted. Uh, but that's that's old news. Wimbledon, that finished up last week. The ladies final was Angelique Kerber versus Serena Williams. I predicted Angelique Kerber to win, and she did 6-3, 6-3 for her first Wimbledon title. And she is now one Grand Slam away from completing the career Grand Slam, and I believe all she needs is the French Open to complete that. And then for the men's final, during my last episode, the final had not been set yet. It was Kevin Anderson on one side, and then it was Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal in a semifinal match to get to the final. I predicted Djokovic to win that match and to win the tournament. Djokovic did beat Rafael Nadal in a five-set match and then went on to beat Kevin Anderson 6-2-6-2-7-6 to claim his fourth Wimbledon crown and his 13th Grand Slam title overall. But that's that's old news. Um, but some of the stuff that's been going on right now, uh, MLB All-Star Weekend just finished. I did watch the Home Run Derby. I thought it was a very entertaining derby. Probably one of the most entertaining derbies I've watched in a long time. Bryce Harper was the 2018 champion. And it was in the Nationals' home ballpark. So Bryce Harper definitely had some home cooking going on. And his final round, I don't know if any if you guys watched it, but it was incredible. He was down. 18 to 9. Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs hit 18 in his turn when he was up. And Bryce Harper only had nine home runs with a minute left to go. And you get four minutes in each round. And you get two timeouts in the final round. So you can take two breaks if you want for 30 seconds. And then every home run you hit over 40 or over 440 feet. If you hit two of them, you get 30 seconds extra time. And if you got four, you got a minute, and so on and so forth. And Bryce Harper was down 18 to 9 with a minute left to go. And he rallied nine home runs in a row to catch him at the buzzer. And then into overtime, his second swing, got a home run and ended it. It was a perfect walk-off. 
And I, it was a very, very entertaining home run derby. Uh, some other news around the MLB. Manny Machado, the star third baseman of the Orioles, was traded to the L.A. Dodgers last week for multiple prospects. I believe it was five prospects. And that's a, that's a lot of prospects to give away for a player. But Manny Machado is an excellent player. And this certainly puts the Dodgers near the top of the MLB in terms of contenders. And for me, right now I'm going to give the best teams in the in the American League and the best teams in the National League according to me. For me, in the American League, I'm just going to do the top four teams for each. The best four teams in the American League right now, the Boston Red Sox, they're 40 games above 500. I mean, that's insane. They're playing out of their minds this year. The Yankees are incredible. The Houston Astros, last year's champs, and the Cleveland Indians. Those four teams by far are the favorites in that conference. For the National League, I would say the Chicago Cubs, the Milwaukee Brewers, both of them are in the same division, by the way, the L.A. Dodgers, and I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves. They are second in their division right now. They're a half a game behind the Philadelphia Phillies, but I don't buy the Phillies. I don't buy them. I think the Braves have been playing very well this year. Freddie Freeman, I think, is for sure the NL MVP. He has been incredible. One of the best hitters in the game in terms of ball placement, where he hits the ball, how consistently he hits it in the gap, and how consistently he gets on base. And he's a terrific first baseman as well. So I I definitely think those eight teams, those are the top eight teams in the league. And certainly those are my eight favorites to win, I mean, that's a lot of favorites to win the title, obviously. But those those are my top eight teams. We'll just leave it at that. All right. So we're going to move on to the NFL. We're going to shift gears here. Uh, and we're going to continue with our record predictions. The last division I did was the AFC North. We're going to do the AFC South this week. And we're going to start with the Houston Texans. I have them winning the, the winning the division at 10 and 6. And this division is going to be really tough this year. 10 and 6 for the Texans, I think is a really good number. They're getting Deshaun Watson back. He's going to be healthy. Their defense is going to be much better with Whitney Merciless and JJ Watt coming back. You have Jadavian Clowney on the other edge. Obviously, you've got DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. Will Fuller is going to be healthy coming back. Their offensive line is very shaky. It's not one of the best offensive lines in the league. It's not very good. But with Deshaun Watson's skill set, he really masks the, the odor of how bad that offensive line is. So I think they're going to be a really good team this year, and they're going to give a lot of teams a lot of problems. 10-6 and six for the Texans. The Colts, I have them also tied at 10 and 6. 
but they'll lose in the tiebreaker with the Texans. And the big thing for the Indianapolis Colts is they're getting Andrew Luck back. And that is paramount to their success. And, and people forget when Andrew Luck was playing, there weren't that many guys better than him in the league. When he's healthy, he's he led the Colts to the AFC Championship. He is a winning quarterback. He just has a lot of injury issues. And the Colts reinforced their offensive line. They've drafted heavy on the offensive line this year. So their offensive line is young, but it's going to be better than what it has been. Their defense is still, their defensive personnel is okay. I like some of their guys. Some of their guys are all right. They don't really have a running game, which is a problem. But I think they're going to be fine. 10 and 6, I think, is good for them. The Jaguars, they had a terrific year last year at 10 and 6. And made the AFC Championship game and had the Patriots down. I mean, they really had the Patriots down. They were up 10 in the fourth quarter and they gave it away. I think 9-7 and seven for them. I think they're going to be vying for a wild card spot. I think this is a division where you could have three teams making the playoffs. Sort of like the NFC South. Where you had the Falcons and the Saints and the... And the... Uh, Panthers all make the playoffs. The Jaguars have the best defensive personnel in the league. Certainly the best secondary. Their offensive line is top five in the league. They've shown they've shown that they care more about their offensive line than they do their skill positions. And I think that's key. Blake Bortles, I think, is a very viable quarterback. I don't think he's he is as awful as people think. Certainly, he's not the best. He definitely needs help around him. But you saw some of the throws he was making in the playoffs. He was terrific in the playoffs. And they have a great running game as well. They're going to be a good team. It's just that the Texans and the Colts, I think, have better offenses. And so they're going to be better this year than them. And then lastly, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, their defense got better this year. They added Malcolm Butler. They added Deion Lewis, who I think is a really solid running back. Obviously, he'll back up Derrick Henry and be a more of a passing back. Uh, Mariota, though, I, I, I don't like Mariota. Mariota is a decent quarterback. The thing with Mariota that I don't like is he is a non-verbal player who plays a verbal position in a verbal league. Quarterback is the most verbal position in the league, on the field. Period, point blank. And if you can't communicate, if you don't talk, that's an issue. That That's an issue, and I think that's why he struggles with Throwing the ball to receiver sometimes is because there's a lack of communication. So seven and nine, maybe eight and eight, I think is solid for them. So yeah, that is 
the AFC South. Next week, we will do the AFC. We're going to do the AFC East. Sorry. Couldn't think of the division there. But we're going to do the AFC East next episode. So tune in next week to see if maybe I do your team. We'll see. Um, but I want to jump into this. Uh, Lamar Jackson. There's been a lot of buzz around Baltimore Ravens training camp that Lamar Jackson could be the guy. He's been picking up everything really well in training camp. And I, that really bodes well for him. But I think the Joe Flacco era is all, I think it's essentially over. I think he has got the shortest leash as a quarterback in the NFL right now. And, and Joe Flacco, ever since he won that Super Bowl, he had a terrific run that year in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Ever since then, ever since he got that big contract, he has not lived up to the money. And they've been an okay team with him, but I think Lamar Jackson certainly gives them much more explosive, uh, explosiveness. And it, it changes the way defenses uh, structure their game plans for the Ravens. Because of how much of a dual threat he is running the ball and passing the ball. And the, and the common misconception about Lamar Jackson is people think he is a scrambling quarterback. And that's just simply not true. A lot of his runs when he was at Louisville, a lot of those runs came off of designed plays. Sure, I'm sure I'm sure a few of them was because he was improvising and he was under pressure and he needed to roll out and things weren't open, things weren't developing the way they should have. Obviously, but most of his running plays were all designed. And most of his passing is all in the pocket. He doesn't scramble to throw the ball. He's very much a pocket passer. He's got pocket passer tendencies. He can. He is definitely a pocket passing quarterback with blazing speed. And if his NFL comp is Mike Vick, a young Michael Vick, you have to take that chance and put in and start him week one if you really think he's going to be that good. Now, if Joe Flacco is a starter week one, which I think is likely, I think Joe Flacco will start week one. If if the if they have an easy schedule to start the year, they have an easier schedule, and they could very well end up being three and one with Flacco in their first four games. So if they are three and one, four and zero, something like that, Joe Flacco is going to remain the starter for the rest of the year. But let's say they're two and two or one and three. I think that's when we're going to see Lamar Jackson thrown into the game. That's when they're going to put him in and say, all right, kid, let's see what you got. It's a new era in Baltimore. And Joe Flacco has got the shortest leash of all quarterbacks in the NFL right now. All right. So 
I'm going to shift gears. Let me talk about this for a minute. Uh, Todd Gurley has now become the highest paid running back in the National Football League. Todd Gurley is set to make $60 million over the next four years. He signed a four-year $60 million deal with the Los, Angel Los Angeles Rams. And a huge chunk of it is guaranteed. So he is now making $1 million more, $1 million, sorry, than Le'Veon Bell on his franchise tag. And this is the kind of deal that Le'Veon Bell wanted. And Le'Veon Bell did tweet about this, and he like he said something about, oh, you guys thought I was crazy. I didn't think that this kind of deal would ever happen in the NFL. I think, honestly, right now for the Rams, it's not a mistake at this present moment. It's not. And you might be thinking, you might be kind of confused because the Rams have signed people to a ton of deals recently. Like they extended Brandon Cooks. They've now extended Gurley. You know, they have Marcus Peters, who they, they just traded for. They have Aqib Talib. They just signed Nadam Kinsu. But if you think about it, all of their players on defense, most of them anyways, like Peters, Talib. Uh, and Sue. all of those guys are on one-year deals. So all of those guys are off the books next year. And Marcus Peters is still on his rookie deal, so they're not even paying him anything. So he's going to be gone after next year. Tlaib, at his age, is likely going to be gone after next year. And Sue, at his age, and the money he commands, is likely going to be gone too. So at the time being... It works. It works for the time being. And right now the Rams are working on trying to pay Aaron Donald as well. And that's going to take a lot of money because he's the best defensive player in football. So right now it's not a bad thing because they have the flexibility to do so. But when it comes time to pay guys like Jared Goff, pay some people, pay some of your offensive linemen to stay, pay for some other guys on defense to stay. That $15 million per year, that's not going to make things easy. I would never sign a running back for more than $10 million. I think that would be my cap for a running back. Before this deal, Le'Veon was the highest paid, and then the next highest paid was Devontae Freeman, who was making 8 And I wouldn't pay any running back more than 10 and I love Gurley. I think Gurley is a top three back in this league. I'm sorry, I'm not paying a guy $15 million. He's arguably one of the most important positions on offense, but running backs are very expendable. You can find some in the draft. You can. It's an expendable position, and, and the market just doesn't – it's it's not that kind of market. Running backs don't get paid because it's not that kind of market. That's why they don't get paid a lot. Now, if we had an NBA salary, obviously this would make sense, but 
It's not an NBA salary. It's a hard cap. The cap is much lower. In the future, this is going to hurt the Rams. It was a bad move by the Rams long term. For right now, it's it's great. And I don't know how Todd Gurley got away with it. But he's got to be the happiest guy in the world right now. And another thing with Le'Veon Bell. The reason why I wouldn't give Le'Veon Bell that kind of money is he's like three years older than Todd Gurley. He's 27, almost 28. You sign him to a four-year deal, he'll be 32 by the time that deal's up. Running backs, once they hit 30, don't age very well at all. They hit a steep decline very fast. The only exception to that that rule is Frank Gore. Frank Gore, I think, has been one of the most consistent running backs in the NFL ever. I mean, the guy's 34 years old and is still playing and is still a decent running back. He is decent. He's not explosive. He's not going to give you good plays or like big plays. He's not going to, you know, maybe he's not going to put up 100 yards rushing a game. But he gets you the tough yards. He gets the job done. He can also catch the ball out of the, out of the backfield very well. He's just a great back. He's a solid back. He's a guy that can get you 60 to 70 yards rushing a game, given you have a solid offensive line. But you you never pay a guy knowing that the con- the life of the contract is going to push him past his 30s. It makes sense to do it for a younger player, but it doesn't and just not it's not the case for Le'Veon. But we'll see how that all shakes out for them. Now we're going to talk some NBA. We're going to shift gears to some more free agency talk. Actually, some big news. Uh, Marcus Smart re-signed with the Celtics for four years, $52 million. And there were a lot of talks that this deal weren't, wasn't going to get done. So I think this is a win for the Celtics. Certainly they get their their best defensive player back. And that's going to really help them. And it's going to keep that young core intact. Uh, Kevin Love today actually signed a uh, four-year, $120 million extension with the Cavs. This certainly makes sense for both sides. Uh, the Cavs need a star to stay somewhat relevant in the Eastern Conference. I think they they could still be a playoff team, maybe, as an eight seed. Uh, that's the best I see them being. But I'm excited for Kevin Love because we're going to see what he is like being the man again. We're, it's a throwback to Minnesota Timberwolves, Kevin Love. So we'll see how that works out because he was one of the best players in the league when he was in Minnesota. So, uh, and then from the Cavs standpoint, or sorry, from the from Kevin Love's standpoint, he wasn't going to get this kind of money anywhere else. The Cavs were the was the only team that would give him this kind of money. And a lot of that is the LeBron effect. This is very similar to the situation after LeBron left Miami. Like when LeBron was there, you had Chris Bosh. 
And Chris Bosh was a terrific player when he was by himself in Toronto. But when you put him with LeBron, he almost becomes marginalized as a player. He's he's a he's a role player star, essentially. And then after LeBron left, he was signed to a big extension, and they were essentially handing the keys to the franchise to Chris Bosch. This is very much like what's happening here. Kevin Love was marginalized as a star role player playing with LeBron James and now is getting handed the keys to the franchise and is getting a big contract. And neither and the the Chris Boss situation didn't have a happy ending. Granted, you know, he had medical issues, so it's not really fair to say that, but I don't think this one's going to have a happy ending in Cleveland. Uh, the Cavs are not going to be a great team. Now, if Kevin Love can be as dominant as he once was, I don't see it happening, but if he can be, I think they can be an eight seed. We'll see, but I... I it certainly makes sense for both sides. And then a three-team deal, a three-team trade happened last week. Involving Carmelo Anthony. Uh, the Hawks traded Dennis Schroeder to the Thunder. I, I'm looking at all these details here. It's kind of confusing. Uh, the I'll just, I'll just explain it like this. The Atlanta Hawks received Carmelo Anthony, Justin Anderson, and a 2022 first round pick. The Oklahoma City Thunder got Dennis Schroeder, Timothy Luwawu Kabarat, and the 76ers got Mike Muscala. And then uh, the Hawks waived Carmelo Anthony. And then we're going to get to Carmelo Anthony in a minute. But what this does for the Thunder, I think this is a great move for the Thunder because if they had just waived him, they were going to save $100 million. But by trading him, they're still saving $75 million. But they're taking on a guy in Dennis Schroeder, who can be an who he is an excellent point guard right now. But he would be a terrific backup behind Russell Westbrook. Or you could even put him at the two. He's a guy that can kind of give Russell Westbrook a breather because of how hard he plays. You can give Russell Westbrook a break. I think he is a great pickup, and they're still saving a ton of money over the next few years. And then for the Hawks, not sure why they made this deal. I know they wanted to get Schroeder off the books because they have Trey Young now, but I don't know why they would want to take on Carmelo Anthony's contract knowing they would just waive him. Uh, beats me. But after Carmelo Anthony was waived, not long after that, he signed a one-year veteran minimum deal with $2.5 million with the Houston Rockets. So now there is a new big three. Well, actually, it's a big four in Houston. Chris Paul, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony. And Clint Capella, who I believe actually hasn't even been re-signed yet, but I, he will be on the team. 
And let me just tell you right now, that's not going to work. The Rockets are not a better team with Carmelo Anthony. They lost their two best defensive players in Luke and Balmute and Trevor Ariza. And they gained a guy who's ex- he's starting to exit his prime. Uh, can't really shoot threes like he used to. And doesn't play defense. And now you have three ball-centric guys in your starting lineup. Chris Paul, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony. That's not going to work. It just won't. Now the Rockets, statistically, they play the most iso ball in the league. So I guess it can it can work in terms of him fitting in the offense, but I don't think they're one of the top team. I don't think they're a top two team in the West anymore. They I would put them behind the Warriors and the Lakers, and I really would. That's a it's a coin flip between the Lakers and the Rockets. But I certainly don't think they're going to be Golden State. Not with that. That's just not going to happen. They they downgraded at small forward. I would have much rather kept Mbamute and Ariza than have Carmelo Anthony. And the whole reason this was even possible is because of Chris Paul. Chris Paul should not have been signed to a max contract. The Rockets got duped into signing him to a max deal. This guy's 33 years old. He's playing less and less games every year. He's becoming more and more injury prone. And now you have him signed to a contract until he's 38 years old. 37 years old, maybe. 37, 38 years old. And he's likely going to keep playing less and less games each year and miss playoff games where he becomes most valuable. I mean, Chris Paul had, Chris Paul, when he was healthy in that playoff series versus the Warriors, they had the Warriors beat. As soon as he goes out, it's over. But as he starts to play less and less games, it just turns into a worse and worse deal. And that's why they didn't have the money to re-sign Ariza or Mbamute. They weren't able to keep those guys because Chris Paul was too stubborn. And Daryl Morey made a dumb move. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And then perhaps the biggest news of the offseason to this point, maybe. I don't know. LeBron going to the Lakers is pretty up, is up there. But the trade we've been waiting for has finally happened. Kawhi Leonard is no longer a San Antonio Spur. Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green were traded to the Toronto Raptors for DeMar DeRozan, Jacopotl, and a 2019 first-round pick. Now, obviously, this is a great deal for the Raptors. 
because it gets rid of the next three years of DeRozan's contract, and it wasn't a great contract. He's a good player, but he's not worth the money he, he's making. And Kawhi Leonard is, our, is an instant upgrade, and that certainly puts the Raptors in the top two in the Eastern Conference. Put them right behind the Celtics. Now, as far as, as far as the Spurs, the Spurs do get a star player in return, who is 28 years old, but a star player. They get a young center who they can have sit behind Pau Gasol and, and kind of develop for a year, and then they get a pick out of it. I think it was a good deal for both sides. Obviously, you know, the Spurs wanted to keep Kawhi Leonard. I think that would have been ideal for them. But as far as the Raptors go, this is is kind of interesting because they're a top two team in the East, likely going to make the Eastern Conference Finals, could even have a chance of making it to the Finals, probably won't win at all, but they'll make it to the Finals. They, They have a great shot. And that could influence Kawhi Leonard to stay if they have an opportunity to make it to the finals every year. And it's also interesting from this standpoint. Because right now I'm getting the impression that the Raptors want to reboot. That's the impression I'm getting. And by doing and by trading for Kawhi Leonard, who could be a one-year rental. They could use him as a trade pawn to acquire more assets to rebuild. It's very interesting. And I think what you're going to see is the Lakers become more aggressive to land Kawhi Leonard. I think it is very possible that they get more aggressive. Maybe not right now during the offseason, but maybe before the trading deadline. Kawhi Leonard could be a Laker. And that would be a that would be a huge pickup for the Lakers midseason. Now obviously winners and the winners and the losers of this deal, I said that both teams were kind of winners. But I think the clear cut winner was the Raptors. Because they got better but can also rebuild by trading Kawhi. And then the losers of the deal are the Spurs. The loser of the deal really is Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich, his grudge-holding attitude was what made this possible. And him sending Tony Parker and Manu out there to confront his injury on social media... It wasn't a good look. And Kawhi was upset with that. I would be upset with that. If you got a problem with me, tell it like talk to me about it face to face. Don't don't at me on Twitter, you know. Or don't subtweet me. But th- th- it's an end of it's this marks the end of an era in San Antonio. And I could argue that after Tim Duncan retired a few years ago, that the San Antonio Spurs culture retired with him. I mean, now Tony Parker's gone. Tony Parker signed a two-year deal with the Charlotte Hornets because he wanted more playing time. He wasn't playing. 
and Manu Ginobili's 40. He he could retire. And now Kawhi Leonard's gone. All of those guys are gone. And so now it's certainly almost a rebuilding phase for the Spurs. Now they they could still be a playoff team because they have DeRozan, who's he's a good player. But they're not going to be a top five seed anymore. They're probably going to be a seven or eight at best. Now without Kawhi only played nine games last year and they made the playoffs. So with DeMar DeRozan, they certainly can be better. But with how much better the West got this offseason, seeding-wise, they're going to be in the same spot. Now, there were reports that Kawhi wasn't very happy about the trade to Toronto because obviously he wants to be in L.A. But then the following day, more reports came out that Kawhi was starting to warm up to Toronto. And I believe that couldn't be further from the truth. He is just saying that to protect himself right now. Because he kind of made a big stink with the Spurs. He doesn't want to create another one in Toronto. He doesn't want to be that guy who's constantly complaining about his situation. So he's just kind of accepting what's been happening. And then he's going to go sign with the Lakers in the offseason if he's not traded. But don't try to sell me on the idea that Kawhi is warming up to Toronto. I, I just don't I don't buy that. Right now, anyways. It could be a Paul George type of situation where Paul George was adamant. He wanted to go to L.A. He wanted to go to L.A. And then the offseason comes around. And he decided he wanted, to stay, he wanted to stay with the Thunder. It could be one of those kind of situations. You never know. But he is certainly not warming up to, to, to Toronto one now, or right now. He wants to be a Laker. He wants to be in L.A. And he wants a shoe deal. He, he wants the shoe deals. He wants all the money. He wants, he wants all of that. And he, you're certainly not going to get that in Toronto. The kid's from L.A. and he's going to be living in Canada for a year. That's not gonna be that's not gonna be good for him. He's not gonna like that. And he's definitely gonna want to get out of there. The only way I see that changing is if they make it to the finals and they have a shot against the Warriors. It's the only way I see them see the Raptors even have a having a chance to re-sign Kawhi. But all right, that's my show, everybody. Thank you for listening, as always. Uh, rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. The NFL season is fast approaching, and you know what that means, fantasy football. I am super excited for fantasy football. Uh, college football is also starting in less than a month. I'm really excited for that. But as far as fantasy football goes, I'm thinking about making a league. So for all of my listeners out there who are who love to play fantasy football, all of my like 
what, six listeners. <laughs> uh, but if you guys are interested in playing fantasy football with me, I am more than likely going to create a league. And I will certainly get the details out soon. And I'll let you know the league name, things like that. And if it's private or public, whatever. But if you're interested, I'll certainly look into creating a league so we can play fantasy football. I love fantasy football. Uh, but that's my show this week, guys. Um, like I said, rate and review on iTunes. You you know the rest. Uh, share this with your with your friends, parents, coworkers, everybody you know. We'll see you on. Friday probably I would like to try to get back on track with the Fridays and Saturdays so we'll try to stick to that we'll see you at the end of this week it's WFS 